Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I am Ben Montgomery. Joining me is a man who is so tall and handsome as hell. He's so bad, but he does it so well. Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean, you just nailed me in a, in a nutshell. I did. All right. So for this episode, we are joined by a singer-songwriter whose most recent record is titled Objects in the Mirror. You can also catch him on Amazon Video with his documentary called Last Man Standing, Stephen Kellogg and the Story of Southwest Northeast, which was the record prior to the Objects in the Mirror. And I probably just slaughtered, now that I'm looking at it, probably just slaughtered the documentary name. Uh, Most importantly... He is the father of four kids, just like Wayne and me. So please welcome to the podcast, Stephen Kellogg. Hey, guys. <laughs> All right. So we're excited to have you on the podcast. We've already talked about you and the new record with a friend of yours and a guest of ours a few months back. Uh, that was with Jesse Humphrey. So we've already gushed on your on your record a little bit, and I'll probably do it some more as I ask you a couple questions about uh, about your career and about your music. Cool. Thank you. So, uh, yeah. So the premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each of our podcasts, we ask the all-important question. So, Stephen, what T-shirt are you wearing? Well, Ben, today I'm wearing a Star Wars, uh, a gray Star Wars t-shirt that, uh, it features, um, it features the Millennium Falcon and an X-Wing fighter chasing a, um, I'm blanking on what the, what we call the, uh, the, the bad guys. TIE fighters. Planes. TIE fighters. Okay. So there you go. It's chasing one of those. And that's, that's what we went with for today. I, I usually put it on when I'm trying to win favor with my children. <laughs> <laughs> and and you would not be the first of our guests to wear a Star Wars shirt on, on our episode. This has to be what, Wayne, this has to be at least, what, our fourth or fifth guest who uh, have worn I, a Star Wars uh, themed, themed T-shirt? I, I think it's the fourth. I did, too, so that, that would, I would be the fifth. But yeah, I think Doug, Doug Gillard and uh, uh, Eric uh, Dennison yep. did, and, and uh, Nick. Uh, Nick. Yeah, and good segue because the the T shirt that I am wearing today. So I'm I'm recycling one of my previous uh, shirts that I've worn. So I'm wearing my Simply Three T shirt. Uh, giving them a little little shout out. They've got a new video out there on the YouTube. Uh, so go check that out. Uh, they are in the studio right now, putting the final touches on their next uh, album of original material. So, so Wayne, how about you? What, uh, what t-shirt are you wearing? Well, I am wearing the shirt I got last Monday at the Colt uh, Sonic Temple tour uh, at the Moore theater in Seattle. Uh, Fantastic. They, nice. Uh, they rocked the house. They really brought it. Beauty. What song did they end with? Love removal machine. Love removal. That is, that's fantastic. All right. That's awesome. All right. So, Stephen, before we start talking about music, I do have to ask you a follow-up question to one of Jesse's podcast episodes. He had your, your tour manager on one of his episodes. Mm. So, I guess my question is, so what's the deal with you not liking yogurt? 
Oh, God. It's really just Greek yogurt that evokes my ire, but it's... (laughs) It smell. I would rather. I would literally rather stick my nose in a diaper than have to smell Greek yogurt. I just. It. It's repulsive to me. So like, I don't know. You know. I don't think I can. It's real. I don't think that's that's really my fault. It seems to be a genetic thing. You know. And but it. It just happens that it's pretty popular right now. So you. You get it on planes and you. It's tough, man. I really. It makes me ill to smell it. So sorry. Sorry if that's your thing. Don't hate me. No, it's not my thing. I do enjoy, you know, a good parfait in the morning, but, uh, you know, I understand where some people are repulsed by the the whole Greek yogurt. So are you okay with other versions of yogurt? It's just the Greek? Yeah, I think, and, and, I'm, and if you freeze Greek yogurt, it doesn't smell as repulsive either. So <laughs> I, I, there's a couple of, yeah, I'm not definitely not going to get any endorsements, yogurt endorsements <laughs> out of this, but I, I um. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, other yogurt is is passable. Still, it's still not my not my jam, as they say. But you know, I can live with it if I must. I gotcha. All right, all right. So, um, <laughs> an interesting awesome. foot to begin on here. But there we go. <laughs> Absolutely. I. You know what? I wanted to throw out just the you know the the the, the weird icebreaker here. So let's talk about yogurt first. All right. Yeah. Now that we've got the yogurt question out of the way, let's talk. Let's talk some music. Now that we've alienated half the population, let's get on with that. So I said on the episode with Jesse that I really connected with your your most recent record, um, probably more than I've connected with any of your records since like Glass Job Boxer. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that was that was a record that you made when you were still Stephen Kellogg in the Sixers, not just Stephen Kellogg. Um, but you know what? I went back and I watched the documentary that I alluded to in the, at the, the beginning. And I can now understand what you were trying to accomplish with that record. Cause I didn't, I didn't really get it until after watching the documentary. Cause I always thought it was a little bit, um, disjointed. And now I understand why it felt a little bit different was because you had four different production um, going on there and you were trying to tell kind of the story geographically. Is that, is that pretty accurate? Yeah, it was, it was intentionally that way. And, and it was really a result of making so many records and feeling almost paralyzed, you know, like what, what do I do? What road am I supposed to be going down here? You know, you find yourself without a label for the first time in 10 years. And you're like, do we keep trying for this thing or, you know, and I, and I, and I, that's when I got this idea. What if I didn't have to decide? What if I just make, just get together with four producers I'd love to work with and four bands I'd love to work with. And we worked really hard to get that message out so that when people took in the record, they took it in that way. But you know, that part's, that's hard. We're all busy. We got busy lives. So some people, you know, if you just pick it up, you think maybe 20 songs, this should have an editor or something, but, but, uh, but we did. We we worked hard to try to be like to make that clear that that it was that it really was kind of the four genres that I tend to operate in, and it was just a little slice of each of them, you know. Yeah, like I said, it it probably took maybe up to listen number four for it to really resonate for me. Do you have any other records that uh, from other musicians that come to mind that maybe it took you a little? longer for it to finally really kick in where you're like, Oh, that's a great record. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, I, I know that he's sort of not an artist we're talking about right now, but, you know, Ryan Adams, every time that guy would make a record, uh, I would usually not like it, and then I would love it, you know, eventually. And that was, uh, and I was grateful for those records and those types of records because I feel like they they really, you know, those can really give if, if if maybe it's not a slam dunk right away, but you kind of get in there and it, it, it expands you and you grow because of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel bad. I mean, I, again, first yogurt. Now I bring up Ryan Adams. Who I'm really <laughs> discussing right now. I mean, but it's just, that's what comes to mind. I can think of three of his records that I didn't like. And then later loved, you know? So here we go. We're, we're actually going to talk about Ryan Adams a little bit later. I've got, uh, I've got a couple couple songs or a couple versions of, of songs that he did that, that I, I do want to chat about. So yeah, even though we don't talk about him and, and, and we keep bringing that up, Wayne, like <laughs> we, 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 we've said, we're not going to talk about Ryan Adams. And then we end up talking about Ryan Adams when we've done that for, I don't know, there's at least four or five episodes that his name has come up. Yeah. Well, it was pretty hard to avoid it on this one. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so going back to, um, you know, the record that we were just talking about. So, you know, I, I think that I had more time to really sit back and listen to those rather than just having the music on in the background and hoping that one of those songs just kind of hits me, you know, up beside the head. Um, but your, your songs are pretty much hard on your sleeve type of songs. Like once I watched the documentary and realized that, you know, like 20, 26 seconds of silence was about Sandy Hook. And you kind of described the background of almost woke you up. Now I kind of get it. And, and sometimes it just takes, I think people to kind of explain the song where you're like, Oh, that's what that's about. Sure. Um, so, so how do you, how do you as an artist, especially, you know, going back to your point of, you know, we're busy. How do you get the, the, the message of those particular songs really out there? Um, because you're not, you're not going to have a, a documentary track next to each of those songs on say a Spotify. So how, how do you get that message out there that this song is about this? Uh, I mean, I don't know that you do. I, I, I tour a lot. And so uh, I think people attach to certain songs because they come to see the show and maybe they hear me talk about it. And that's a big part of my show is, 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 uh, sharing stories. You know, I mean, it's a lot of why I play music is sort of, is, is to connect with people and say, Hey, here's what I found. And maybe it will be of use to you, you know? Um, but you know, and again, we're talking about Southwest Northeast uh, as opposed to the new record. But with Southwest Northeast, interestingly, other than Last Man Standing and Almost Woke You Up, I don't and sometimes learn to live. I, uh, there's only really three songs from that record I play, you know, um, which is strange from a 20 person, 20 song record. But uh, but but that but it was kind of you know that was that was just I don't know that's a, that's what you do when you have a career as opposed to just you know trying to make singles or something like that you you do what you need to do at the given time and sometimes you do that without regard to 
the marketplace or even your listeners. Yeah. You just say, hey, this is what's inside of me right now and I'm going to share it and then we'll do whatever we're going to do next. And, you know, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm not really the type of artist who's living and dying by a record per, per se, you know. So going back to the point, so am I going to hear Almost Woke You Up when you come down to Florida? Am I going to hear that on one of the one of the dates? You might. I mean, that one definitely, uh, you, you know, this, you don't always know sort of which songs are going to stand up. But that one, that one definitely, that definitely stands up, you know, and, and uh, so you may hear it. But I, I, I was a deadhead, too. And I, I've as many times as I've tried <laughs> to, like, commit to, like, you know, here's the show. It's just not how I roll. So I, I kind of wake up in the morning yeah. and look through the songs and, that I've written and think, what do I feel like playing today and play that one, you know? Well, it's a beautiful song, but I also wonder if it's, I feel that way about that song because I'm a dad as well. And considering that the last two of your records, I think really describe the vantage point of being a dad and being a guy, you're in your 40s. 50s 40s? 40s yeah 42 okay try try not to make you older than you are oh, 50s jesus boy jumping the gun ben well that's that's where wayne and i are we we both celebrated the 5-0 this year so you know we we want everybody else to be as old as us apparently <laughs> no congrats I, I think it's good i like i like 40s though yeah i'm with you like I, this is a good time so congratulations on yeah it, it is cool <laughs> congratulations for being old yes um <laughs> But but I, I but I wonder if that's my vantage point of being a dad and being in that that stage in my life where you know songs like Objects in the Mirror really resonate because you're you're now contemplative you know you're thinking of all these these really uh, momentous happenings that have that have occurred in your life. Does your audience respond to those songs because they're also in those same points in their lives? Or um, how do you connect those type of songs to someone who, say, isn't a dad and doesn't have those those same kind of feelings where, you know, an almost woke you up um, kind of invokes that those those dad feelings? Sure. Well, you know, I mean, for for a long time, I, I would really. uh for many years, you know, and especially because I had partners at labels and stuff. So you have some responsibility to these people because they're investing their money and energy in your career, you know. And for so many years, you know, I would listen to what people had to say and I would try to find across a place where where what I wanted to write and what I had to say would meet with what they were hoping I could produce for them, you know. And I worked I worked hard on that. Uh but I'm not in that phase in my career. I haven't been for a bunch of years. And one of the things that I realized is that's also very liberating 
You know, it, it was nice to have partners, but it's extremely liberating. And maybe the best thing to do is be exactly who the hell you want to be. And then the people that need that in their life will come find you. So maybe I don't need to worry. I, I used to worry about the guy. What if, what if someone comes and thinks I talk too much about my kids or I have too many family songs and I would actively try to write about anything but family. But the reality is I'm raising four small kids. I'm a, I'm a, a working class musician who does well, but has to work every day. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not sitting around. That's for sure. And so here I am in this po- point of life. And like a lot of people, whether you kids or, or not, you know, you, people can relate to that. They can relate to being pulled in a million different directions and trying to please, trying to do right by their kids, but also not give up on their own dreams and the work that they need to pay the rent and all that. So I really embrace that. And I fi- kind of figure I just write the songs that are inside of me. And then, and then I don't worry about who's, who's getting them or if, you know, if this one's a dad and can relate and this one says, Oh, I can't relate. I mean, you know, Paste Magazine would indicate that nobody can relate to what I sing about. But I have a lot of people every night at my shows that can. So it's just, you know, what am I going to focus on? I don't mean to take a shot at Paste. They've actually been supportive of this last record. But, uh, you know, at my point is a critic can can easily rip. You could say Stephen Kellogg is sentimental. He writes too much about his family. I don't, their songs aren't catchy. I mean, say whatever you want at this point. I'm, I'm here and I've been here for 20 years and I'm just doing my job that I enjoy doing and that people seem to enjoy, you know, having me do. So I, I at this point, yeah. it's just a, a bad review almost feels just like, why are we, why would we tear down a guy like me? Like, why not, why not just pass on it at that point, you know? <laughs> so, so getting back to your point about, uh, you know, writing, uh, songs about uh, your kids. Have you written a song for each of your girls? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, okay, yeah. that's the, that's what I that's what I thought as I was going back through through your through your uh, uh, records. It, it seemed like there was at least one for each, and none of them are teenagers yet. Uh, no, my oldest is Sophia uh, is fourteen. She just graduated eighth grade or fifth okay. grade. Yeah. So, so you haven't written the song "Almost Grounded You for Life" yet. <laughs> <laughs> I am working on a book right now, and there are some episodes in there. But uh, you know, I think I think it's. Uh, do you have some tips for me? I'm assuming. Do you have t- you have some teenagers in uh, your world? I guess. I've I've got uh, I've got a 20 year old, and I've got two teenagers right now. So um, how's it, how's it going? Give me something I can use here. Give you something you can use. Um, I, I had I had three teenage daughters at the same time, and you're on your own. I mean, you know, what? I mean, I, I'd hate to, I'd hate to take that away from you. Uh, <laughs> you want me to learn at my own pace, Wayne? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, I just don't want to steal the experience from you. They're they're almost the youngest one. The youngest one is almost thirty. She'll be thirty next year, and uh, it's just now getting easy. It's just now settling down. Wow. <laughs> Wow, that sounds exhausting. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> my my recommendation is uh, teach them how to drive a auto, a, a uh, manual transmission. That, wow, everybody should do that. that. That's that's my that's my biggest uh, recommendation for you. So it's funny. I was just talking about this with my oldest the other day, but where do you even find a manual transmission? They're very they're very tricky to find now. Uh, I've, I've got one. 
<laughs> what do you drive? What, what's your car? Oh, it's a piece, piece of crap Sentra from, uh, you know, 10 years ago. But, you know, the, the problem that we have is we've got, you know, we've got four people in the house with licenses and only three cars. And really, there's only two cars because neither one of my teenagers want to set foot into my car because they're scared of the clutch. So, so my wife is always getting after me because she's like, the kids are driving the nice vehicle because you won't teach them how to, to uh, drive you know, uh, a manual. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I took both of them out to drive a manual and they both left the experience in tears. So, um, I hear that. I hear that. I am. I, I frequently bring my children to tears. So I'm, I'm no, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people, people assume cause I write all these songs that I actually, they're like, Oh, you love kids. And I'm like, no, no, to be clear, I love my kids. <laughs> I don't love all kids. Hell no. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I say all the time. That's, that's, that's yeah. totally the case. That's totally the case. But, you know, we wear those experiences with badges of honor as well as, you know, a learning experience. Cause I can say, yeah, I made my kids cry. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so let me ask you this. Um, so I know you're, you're very open on your songs. You know, we, we talked about the, the, the dad experiences. One of my favorite songs of yours, 4th of July, very open, for instance, you know, the, the, the talk about, uh, um, you know, you, you mentioned it somehow got away from me in suicide. I talked about it openly. You are definitely a person who is not afraid to, to, to write about those, those kind of topics and write about, you know, this is my experience as a, as a father, et cetera. So what kind of songs or songs do you, do you get asked about the most in regards to, well, what, what exactly does that mean? Or why would you have even put that into a, a song? Uh, the, the, the song I get the asked about the most is, is a song of mine called Thanksgiving. Um, uh, and it's, it's a long song. I think that it is. So it's clearly intended that it's almost like a five act play. It's a 10 minute song. It's 19 verses. It's a lot. So that, that's a song that, um, a lot of people have questions about various metaphors and stuff like that. Uh, and I can explain it to some degree, but I always feel like what you're creating is a tone of voice as much as anything, as much as any, you know, I think if you take like mainstream country, they tell you exactly what they're singing about. And if you take sort of indie rock, you never know at all what they're singing about. And I just <laughs> try to fall somewhere in the middle of all that, you know? Right. Um, so latest record objects in the mirror like i said i've already gushed on it so so uh um you know you and you definitely have a song called song for daughters on that so there you go um but you've got some 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 great love songs as well love of my life really wonderful song um and i have to assume that all the love that comes to me also you'd consider that a love song too
dig the evening bus. I hate the morning drag. I dig the evening bus. Then I don't sleep nearly enough. But I'm still happy because I am still happy because I got all that I ever wanted, all I'll ever need, and I love to take for granted all the love that comes to me, baby. You are all that I ever wanted. I still. I feel like the point of that song is is more is really to make a point about no matter how much love comes into your life, we still have a tendency to take it for granted. And yeah. I'm, I'm at the top of that list, you know. And and but I but I look at the life I have right now, guys, is so close to what I dreamt of. I mean, it could get better, but it's only going to get maybe one percent better, you know, than what I'm living right now. And yet I'm I still wake up sort of surly and stuff every day i mean it's like you know so just i just i want to in that song all the love that comes to me i'm sort of just speaking to how you can pretty much have everything that you that you've ever asked for and still somehow wake up and have issues you know with stuff you know that's that's interesting that you you bring that up because i just had a conversation with um you know, an, another person who is a musician and, and, um, you know, we were talking about the creative types and, um, you know, life is pretty good for me. Started a new job here, uh, you know, up two months ago, uh, podcast is going well, um, got a lot of great things going on, but yet I'm, I'm still kind of not completely satisfied you know, like there's 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 things that I feel like I still could be doing. And I kind of we, we, we talked about that with the creative types is there's always this yearning of what's next. <laughs> and and yeah, life is really good right now, but there's always something else that we could be improving on. Is that kind of the is that kind of the the, the, sure. the yeah attitude that you've got yeah abs- absolutely you know uh it's there's always there's something to improve and there's also something you know you you ever have a day like where you're going along and you think man nothing's going right today and then you get a flat tire or a bite into something and you realize you have a cavity or you get a cold sore like something happens that makes you go oh man i wasn't having a bad day now i'm having a bad day you know it's like it's just like it's it's like but if you could get that perspective without having to have the bad thing happen that would be ideal you know that would be optimum because then you don't have to make it even worse to realize that you to kind of snap out of yeah. it you know what i yeah. mean yeah no exactly so um so I'm excited for you to come back to Florida. Uh, so you'll be down here in August for some dates with Tyrone Wells. Um, yeah. The only thing that I have for uh, for a comment on that. So you're coming to Orlando on the same day that uh, I have tickets for Social Distortion Flogging Molly. So so now I'm going to have to drive over to Tampa to see you guys. You know, I, you wouldn't think to listen to our records that it would be a conflict, but uh, I appreciate that, that it is. That's good for you. It says a lot. So, and and there's there's worse venues than the attic. Have you played at the attic in in Tampa before? Yes, I have. Yep. 
Yep. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good venue. It's definitely yeah. a, it's definitely a good venue for, you know, the, the, the senior songwriters, very intimate room. So uh, you'll, yeah, I think you'll have a, a, a good time. So looking forward to seeing you there. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So, so before we move into the record that you picked for us to, to talk about. So one last question that we're throwing out to all of our guests. So, um, and this is this is always the the question that makes Wayne cringe. So, 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 Toto's Africa is that a good song or a bad song? Uh, that's a good song. Fantastic! I knew you were going to be on my side. Uh, just makes me like you even more, Stephen. Yeah, good. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. I if the yogurt drove us <laughs> apart, Toto brought us back together. There, there we go. And all I got to say for Wayne, since, you know, he's not a fan of Toto's Africa, the haters going to hate, 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 hate. Right. I'm just going to shake <laughs> it off. I'm, I'm... Nice. Nice segue. Nice segue. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about the record that you chose to revisit. And when you sent me the list of, of your records that you were thinking about, um, I immediately sent a text over to Wayne and said, Hey, Steven's thinking about this one. What do you think? And I was super surprised by his reaction of that as well. So, so Steven, tell us what, which album you, you decided to revisit. We are going to revisit Taylor Swift's 1989. So the other two choices were, Let's see. Let's see if I can remember. It was Tom Petty's Full Moon Fever, which is fantastic. And then there was a Cat Stevens record as well. Which one was that? That'd be T for the Tillerman. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, in that record, I just, T for the Tillerman, my, I, my, I went to sleep to, to that record every night for from <laughs> first grade to fourth grade, which I, I sometimes wonder, did I have like a melancholy disposition previous to that or did that just cultivate it you know like but that record's in my blood that cat stevens record so i i often when people want to talk about a record it comes to mind but i'm glad we're doing this one i think it's i think it's fresher and i haven't done it before and i like that you know yeah yeah so the the cat stevens i guess that warrants the question of nature versus nurture it does it does yeah okay all right yeah well, we'll we'll have you on somewhere down the road, and we'll we'll talk about that as well. Yeah. But yeah. for 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 this, so so tell me why you chose 1989. Well, you know, Taylor Swift is one of my favorite artists, and I'm not none of what I'm going to say here is I'm not being cheeky because if you listen to my music, if you're not familiar with it, whatever you know, I know you guys are, but anyone listening, you know, uh, you, you're not going to hear, I don't sound like Taylor Swift. You're not going to hear what I'm drawn to in that music, but she's been one of my favorite artists. I followed her career as it's gone along. I've been continually inspired by her. And 1989, um, when this record happened, this, I really caught on to the fact that she was in charge of herself the way Bob Dylan and Bruce Springsteen are in charge of themselves. You know, they, they decide to do the way you too is in charge of themselves. You know, they, they have a vision and they want to explore different things and they're not afraid to take chances and to fail or to alienate someone at the, but to, if they've got something they got to do that, you know, they don't run for the Hills. And she set this up. She, she sort of gravitated 
slowly towards this record. She did what Tom Petty said, you got to get your listener ready to take what you want to give them. I always thought that was a brilliant remark, you know, and that's exactly what she did. She kind of got a little poppier as she went. And then when this record came out, she had fully kind of abandoned, it seemed at least, the kind of the country Taylor Swift is kind of gone on this record. And and, and I got this record and I wasn't, you know, sonically production, I wasn't sure. And then as I got in there, I fell in love with the lyrics, the songs. I love that she brought me into a world. I She did exactly what Ryan Adams was doing, but she did it. I think, you know, I think this is as, as well as you can do it. It's a, it's a pretty much bulletproof record. There's a couple spots that don't resonate with me, but for the most part, it's, it's a really strong batch of lyrics and songs. And I just, it, it, it made me realize like, wow, you only get one go round here and you have to be brave. If you keep trying to do what you're, you know, you think people want you to do, you're never going to, your life is just going to be over and you're not going to have done it. And with this record, I just thought, wow, she, she inspired me so much with this album to, to just say, what do I want to do? So, yeah. Yeah. So, so that feeds into, to some of my notes. So I've, I always, you know, bring the, the, the bio info. So this is Taylor's fifth studio record. Uh, it was released in October of 2014. This was really an extension of her previous record red, which came out in 2012. And so to your point, uh, Stephen, that I think red was really her, statement of trying to move from that new country styling into more pop centric songs that we're going to talk about on 1989. There were some pop songs definitely on red. Um, you know, we are never getting back together. I knew you were trouble. Um, those were definitely pop songs and not necessarily quote unquote new country songs. Um, is it safe to say that 1989 was really where she kind of ripped off the bandage and said, this is, this is my foray into the pop music world. Yeah, definitely. I mean, on, on red, she kind of tempered it with songs like all too well, which sounds like it could be on a Laurie McKenna record, you know, I mean, she kind yeah. of gave people a dose of it, but then, you know, and then, and then on this one, I feel like she is unapologetically now in another lane. And that just continued on to the, you know, she's continued from there, you know, and she will continue. And whether or not I follow her wherever she goes, I, I'm a fan for life, you know. And this record, I think, was was when she really made that just like, bang, here we go, you know. Yep. Yep. All right. So um, before we jump into each of the songs, so just a little more bio. And we'll talk about the production team as we discuss each of the songs because the producers included heavy hitters Max Martin, Shellback, Ryan Tedder, Jack Antonoff. Um, Max Martin and Swift would actually serve as the album's executive producers, but she had all sorts of different producers for each of the songs, which we'll talk about. Um, this record won Album of the Year at the Grammy Awards, and this made Swift the first female solo artist to win in that category twice. So definitely in company, all of her own. Uh, there were seven singles off this record. We'll talk about each one of those. And really this was, uh, 
this was, I think, really Taylor putting it down and saying, um, I am the biggest female artist in the world. And I think, uh, yeah, I know Beyonce would probably have a, have a thing or, or two to say about that, but, uh, yeah. Um, all right. So we ready to jump into revisiting 1989. Sure. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. And uh, as a as a reminder, our scoring is based on the number of songs on the record. So, Wayne, how many songs are on this record? Thirteen. Which means our top song is going to get thirteen points. Next favorite song, twelve. On down to our lowest score of one. Here is our first song on the record. This is "Welcome to New York." think that she was trying to make a statement here with this very first song i mean yeah i do i mean it's yeah it's kind of an epic it kind of has an epic feel to it and i mean which i think a song about new york city probably should um but this it like i say it's it the electronic hand claps kind of set you up for the whole for the for the way this thing is produced which that's my only like her voice is able to overcome it almost on every track, but I did, there's very little guitar when it is there. It's kind of looped. Um, all the drums I'm sure are programmed, but she still somehow she transcends. Cause she's a, I am a cute uh, Taylor Swift is a guilty pleasure, like a uh, big time. So I was really excited when you said oh, good. that you wanted to do this, but yeah, I think she comes out of the gate with an epic, an epic song that really, really yeah. set it all off. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree. I think it's, it's, uh, and, and the, and the, she's got such a gift for harmony, you know, where she puts a harmony and the, there's a line about, you know, putting our broken hearts, put them in a drawer and she hits the harmony. So the line just stands out and you can, you just see yourself arriving in a new place and feeling hope. And I, I never go to New York city and don't have that song somewhere in my consciousness, you know, <laughs> yeah and, and and it i mean to to that to that because the one thing that like there was a part of me when i listened to it i'm like i can't i can't imagine i mean it's somewhat disingenuous to imagine taylor swift you know popping down her suitcase in this crummy dive manhattan apartment with six people you know in their 20s because she's i mean at this time the biggest thing in the world but i just says a lot about her as a songwriter like she it's not autobiographical obviously but she can still put you in that place where you can imagine that. 100%. Uh, the producer on this one is Ryan Tedder. Um, and Tedder is the lead singer of One Republic. And he has written a bunch of hits for, for other people, including his own band. So he knows something a, a little about a, a pop ditty. And this is definitely a pop ditty. And I, you know, 
that's why I threw out there is, was she making a statement? And I kind of felt like this is, this is her throwing down the gauntlet of um, right off the bat that this is a, this is a going to be a different record for you. And this is not going to be those, those country records that I made at the beginning of my career. It's kind of how, how I interpret this as being the, 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 the lead the lead song because she could have she could have started this record with you know a host of of other songs but i felt like this was the statement that she was trying to make right out of the gate yeah sure yeah all right should we get some scores so let's uh let's start with wayne i gave it a six okay and i'm matching your six and then steven i give it a I, I, I'm going to pull up my list and have it in front of me, but I gave it, I'm pretty sure I gave it a 13 if I'm not mistaken. You did. This was your, this was your top score. So I think you, you alluded to the fact of, of why this was your top score. Any other, any other commentary you want to make as to why this is, this is the song that you feel best exemplifies 1989. Yeah, I just think I think there's all these moments on 1989 where you jump off and you're in, you know, shake it off or this love or style. They're all these. They're they each. They're all sort of branches, but the trunk of this album is this song. You know. All right. Fair enough. All right, let's move on to the second song. So this is what would be the second single off the record. This is Blank Space. I can make the bad guys good for a weekend. So it's gonna be forever or it's gonna go down in flames. You can tell me when it's over if the high was worth the pain. Got a long list of ex-lovers they'll tell you I'm insane cause you know I love the players and you love the game. Cause we're young and we're reckless we'll take this way too far it'll leave you breathless mm, or with a nasty scar got a long list of its lovers they'll tell you I'm insane but I've got a blank space baby and I'll write your name and this would reach number one on the Billboard Hot 100 and it would do that in just three weeks and that was uh actually three weeks following the first single, which we'll talk about here in a moment, that made her the first woman in the Hot 100's 56-year history at that point to succeed herself at the top spot. So, again, she's just making all sorts of uh, records for for herself. Um, so this was produced by Max Martin. And if you're not familiar with, with Max Martin... So he is very popular as far as the production stuff goes. And he was responsible for a lot of the major hits of the 90s, including Britney Spears' Baby One More Time, Backstreet Boys' I Want It That Way, and Sinks It's Gonna Be Me. Um, He's also written or co-produced or produced um, all sorts of other individuals, including... Uh, the Weekends Can't Feel My Face, Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl. Um, how's this for company? So I did a little research on this. So Martin is the songwriter with the third most number one singles on the chart, 
the only two individuals who have more number one singles are Paul McCartney and John Lennon. <laughs> how's, how's that for, for, uh, for being a heavy hitter? I mean, yeah, good Lord. He's definitely got a feeling for what makes a song catch. Yeah, and he has won the, the ASCAP Songwriter of the Year Award 11 times. So he kind of knows what he's doing. And um, I think, you know, when you're at the, the Taylor Swift level, you can pretty much bring in somebody like a Max Martin, correct? Yeah. For sure. Clearly. Yeah. I, I mean, so let, let's talk blank space now that I've talked about production and, and uh, you know, giving you more information than you ever wanted to know about Max Martin. So you guys sick of this song? Oh, not me. No, <laughs> I, I, I love this song. And like, I, I remember listening to this record thinking, I can't, I, I, I can't believe I'm going to give blank space. My top, my top score. I, but I, I just there's so much that I like about it because I think she it's very clever. She pokes fun at herself. She you know pokes fun at her detractors. She's in, extremely honest in parts of it about you know a nightmare dressed up like a daydream. Um, it's it's the lyrics are very uh, they're very complicated for for someone that's writing a pop song. I think uh, she really I just like I say I, I love everything about it and I love the line. Uh, about the long list of ex-lovers, they'll tell you I'm insane. I have the same list. It's not as long, but or as distinguished. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, and and this is one of those misheard lyrics as well. The Starbucks lovers. <laughs> um, that's that's one of the one of the things that my kids kids have brought up uh, a number of times of the misheard lyrics. So, so clearly, Wayne, you like this a little bit more than than Stephen and I did. We both liked it as well. But um, so, is it just the catchiness factor that that gives it your your top top score? No, I it's I mean it's it's that she uses so much. There's so many different things going on. Like I say, she's she's you know honest about what she's you know what's being said about her as well. You know what's true and what's not to some degree. Like I say, she she takes a shot at the detractors and she takes a shot at her and she, but she's not afraid to take a little shot at herself. And like I say, even that, that little click she does, I can almost, it's almost like you can hear her wink when she makes that sound. And, uh, and the idea of blank space, you know, um, let me clear, let me get you a spot on the, let me get you on the schedule. So Steven, tell me, tell me why that this is, uh, this is one of your more favorite songs on the record. Uh, well, like Wayne, I think it's got a really sophisticated lyric, which I like a lot. Um, I remember when the first time I heard it on the radio, I, I asked whoever I was with, I was like, who's that? Cause I didn't realize it was Taylor Swift, but I just liked it right off the bat. I thought it was cool. And they said, that's Taylor Swift. And I was like, of course it is. You know, I just, I just think it's cool. And, and yeah, I've heard it a lot now. Um, so it doesn't hit me quite as hard, but it's, I, I if I remember back to the way I felt the first time I heard it, I was like, wow, that's. That's another great idea for a song, you know. I like it. It's catchy. It's yeah. catchy. All right, let's get, let's get some score. So Wayne, I already know your your score. This is your top song. So Stephen, your your score. I'm going with a nine. I give it a nine points. All right, and uh, I'm giving it a ten. So this is definitely going to be 
in contention for our favorite song on the on the record. Yeah. So moving on, this is the third song. This is Style. And this would also be the third single off the record. This peaked at number six on the Billboard Hot 100. And writing credits, Swift, Martin, Shellback, um, but also included a Ali Payami. And I probably just slaughtered his name because I'm really good at slaughtering names. Um, what I thought was interesting on this, though, so we, we already brought up the, the, uh, the Ryan Adams uh, topic. So Ryan did his own version of 1989 track by track and reimagined a lot of these songs. And, and I know that uh, uh, I'll talk about one of my favorite covers coming up here toward, towards the end of the, the record. But what, what I thought was interesting was Ollie not only helped Taylor on um, this, this particular uh, song for 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 Taylor, but he also helped Ryan Adams with his entire record, the nineteen eighty nine record. So I, I'm wondering if if maybe Ali had a little inside information and uh, shared that with Ryan as far as the creative process. I don't know. Um, we'll probably never find out because Ryan will never come on this podcast. But um, <laughs> but uh, um, anyways. So I'm just going to throw this out there. This is my favorite song off the record. I think that this, going back to your the previous song where we talked about, you know, really some some more sophisticated lyrics. I think that this, for me, is the song where Taylor really um, basically said, "I'm an adult now." You know, the just the lyrics were. You know, it talks about um, he can't keep his wild eyes on the road, takes me home, lights are off. He's taking off his clothes uh, or off his coat. And um, and then the the part where he says, uh, I can't stop thinking about you. And she said, I said, I've been there, too, a few times, you know, like there's a little bit of this maybe. um I don't know if there's a cheating vibe going on here. Well, that's it. Absolutely. It's right after the line about, I've heard you. With some other girl. Yeah. Other yeah. Girls. yeah, yeah so, sure. I, and I, and I know the rumors were that it was about Harry Styles and I don't, like I say, I'm, I, whether they're true or not, I agree with you that she, she has some of her, some really great lyrics in here. The, the James Dean daydream look in your yes. eye. I mean, that's super visual. Those are great lyrics, you know, um, like I say, the red lip classic thing that you like. She has some great lyrics. And like I say, they create this this dangerous 
uh, mood with with the music. I mean, it has this very dangerous, wild, you know, romance thing that they create with the music. Um, this, I yeah, this is, and then some. There's some guitar finally for for a change, even though it's on a a loop. It's still some electric guitar. <laughs> yeah, it's a really it's a, it's a very sexy song. It's very good song. It's definitely one of my favorites too. It is. It's definitely my favorite. Um, all right. Any more conversation on style before I get some scores? Let's score it up. All right. So, Steven, your score. I'm giving it 10. All right. And Wayne. And 11. All right. This, this is uh, this is definitely going to be in contention. All right. Front runner. Front runner right Front there. runner right here. All right. Here is number four song. So, this is Out of the Woods. This one is also produced by Max Martin. So Max Martin produced Swift's vocals. Thought that that was interesting. Um, and this is uh, this was produced by Jack Antonoff of Fun. And I totally get a Antonoff signature all over this song, uh, especially the chorus. That's not a criticism. I like some of his his uh, bleacher stuff that he's done. I want to get better. Don't take the money. Those are both really cool tunes. But for me, the the repetitious chorus on this is the reason why I'm going to eventually give this uh, a little bit lower score than I think uh, you guys. Um, so to to tell me where I'm where I'm potentially wrong on my score on this and and why this is one of the this should be considered one of the better songs on the record. Well, you know, first of all, I don't think there's a wrong score because it really, I mean, music, I understand that's what we're doing here. We're scoring it, but I still, but there still isn't a wrong one. You know, for years it bothered me why I liked the song or didn't. And then I realized I don't care about production at all. It doesn't matter to me. Like if a, a lyric, if it resonates with me, if I think that what the singer's singing is true, I can get into a song. And if I, and if it's not there, I don't care how cool it is. It just doesn't hit me. And that's, I get that it hits other people differently, but that's how I am with the song. So for a song like this, and I rank it somewhere in the middle, but the thing I think that's good about it is that again, the lyrics, the lyrics are, you know, I I can see that whole, you know, 20 stitches in a hospital room, you know, going through an accident. I mean, I, I don't hear that in other people's songs. I'm really not hearing that now. I used to hear that in the, you know, in the seventies in songwriter stuff and Rod Stewart's early stuff, you'd hear these descriptions that you're like, how is not, how have more people not written about it? But it just put me in, it put me in such a specific place to hear, to hear this, you know, about this, that just with one line right there, I'm like right there with them and my friends having gone through an accident or something like and I just think that's so powerful. So that's what I like about the song. Um, I should also say Jack is an acquaintance of mine who I toured with back in the day. And 
when I realized he worked on this record, it blew me away because he, he had back when we toured, he was playing kind of all country music. Oh, really? You know? Oh, wow. Yeah. And it, it was interesting to me to hear. So the only thing I ever thought of as signature Jack is that he is fascinated with whatever's going on. He devours it, eats it up, learns how to do it, and then spits it back out. So I, I can't say I know a lot of bleachers and stuff. I just know that he is, he's got that Max Martin instinct of like what's happening now. And, and this certainly probably does have that, but a lot of the production stuff goes over my head anyway. So that's anyway, that's my two cents. (laughs) That was, that was the one verse that I think could have elevated it. Again, it's just the chorus, the chorus just, I don't know. It didn't do much for me, but, but the, the, the verse where, um, you're talking about hitting the brakes too soon. There is a lyric in there where it's like, um, but the monsters turned out to just be trees. Yeah. That's, that was when, yeah, that, that's the line that, that I found most moving, you know, when she sucks, she says, I set you free. Like they broke up and it turned out the monsters were just trees. That's one of the best lines in that song. And yeah. like I say, the, uh, but yeah, once again, she's grown up and she's writing, you know, really good songs. And uh, this one, I like that the verse, um, the way, the way she, she does it, uh, that, that over rep repetition. But I would say that a Brian Adams or <laughs> Brian Adams, Ryan Adams version would have probably been my second favorite song on this record because he had, he, he kind of slows it down and he leaves this big, these big empty spaces, which, cause this song has scary parts in it. And I think his version like lets that fear kind of sink in. I mean, are we going to make it is, you know, is everything good is, you know, how, where, what's going to happen. And, uh, her, where hers goes a little fast to get too scared, but there's still great lines in this. It's a really good song. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right, let's get some scores then. So, um, to Wayne, I gave it a 10. Okay. And then Steven? I'm in for eight. And I'm in for four. So I know. Sorry, guys. I <laughs> probably tanked this one for our consideration for best songs. All right. Uh, here's number five song. All you had to do was stay. So writing credits go to Swift and Martin. There is no Wikipedia page for this song. So I don't have a whole lot to say on this other than stay. Um, so what do you guys have to say on, uh, on all you had to do was stay? This is one of the ones that felt like it could have been on speak now or fearless. It, it, and like, I don't know what it is, but something about her, I don't know. There's like, She's not, it doesn't feel like she's committed to it. And so for me, what happened then was I started to focus on the, the overly electronic 
music. I mean, I, I think I wrote soulless in here. I don't know if that's, that's fair, but uh, all the, all the drum beats are programmed. Um, there's some synthesizers when there is a guitar, it's looped. Uh, and because, but on all the others, I mean, the same production is happening on the others, but she, she carries up above it and carries you past it. And on this one, she, I don't know, there's almost like she wasn't committed to it. Well, you know, one thing I would say to that too, though, is she, we're talking about an album, an album that's loaded with giant songs. Okay. So, so you kind of, you take a good song and you stick it in a, with a bunch of giants and it seems like <laughs> a lack of commitment, but really it's like, you don't know what the giants are going to be until you create them. And I always, I mean, I really, I'm sort of amazed by, by a lot of artists. I, I don't really like, so I, so I, I tend to, to not, yeah, I tend to always see things kind of from the artist's point of view, I think. So I, I would, I, I, I would never, I bet, I'm sure I would guess, I guess I can't say with any surety, but it, it doesn't seem like a lack of commitment, but I know what you mean because there is, it doesn't, the song doesn't kill the way these first other ones have, you know, and, and a lot of the other ones that follow do. And this was, and, and the last thing I'd say on this song, which is just that I did really like the Ryan Adams version of it. And once I locked into the lyric, having listened to his version, I like the song more now because of it. Cause I think it's a really cool lyric. And although production isn't my prime mover, I, I, I would agree probably the production it blinded that for me for for a while anyway yeah so why don't we why don't we grab some some scores on this um so steven i gave it a six okay and then wayne i give it a five all right and i gave it a gave it a three <laughs> so yeah, not not one of my more favorite songs again it it's the production stuff and you know, Wayne, to to your to your point, you know that the the Ryan Adams version, or was that Stephen who said the Ryan Adams? I, I, I said that, yeah, yeah. It was, it was Steve Stephen on this one. Um, yeah, this that was one of the the, the songs on that record that um, you know kind of changed my mind on it because originally when I first heard it, I was like, oh, I hate this song. Um, but I think Wayne, you know, last week's episode where we, we talked about um, the album as an art and we talked about how there were some transition songs on the Bash and Pop record. This really did feel like a transition song, you know, within the album uh, concept, because that really leads up to really one of the biggest songs um, on the record, if not the biggest song on the record, and that's the the song which is "Shake It Off."
talking about big songs. So, um, again, she wrote this with producers Max Martin and Shellback. Um, according to Billboard, so this is Swift's biggest Hot 100 hit to date. Stayed on the chart for 50 consecutive weeks. Debuted at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 back in September of 2014. Um, and this that was only the 22nd song ever to actually debut at number one on the chart's history. So, again, it, uh, it was definitely a big song. Uh, received nominations for Record of the Year, Song of the Year, Best Pop Solo Performance at the 2015 Grammy Awards. She didn't win for any of those, but um, but definitely is a song. If you if you even just put on maybe what three seconds of this, <laughs> everybody's gonna know what song this is. Am I am I correct? Absolutely. I, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I, I can't not dance when I hear it. It's just so, it's just such a fun song. And, uh, but like I say, it has a great sense of humor, but the lyrically, it's still very strong. I mean, she's, she's acknowledging some of the things that people say and she's acknowledging, you know, where that they, they're, they're wrong and that, you know, but that it's not going to get her down. Um, Taylor Swift's going to rule the world and they can't stop her. She's just, the haters can hate, but they can't stop her. I mean, it's in, and it's it's empowering too. I mean, it's fun. It's not heavy handed, but it's incredibly empowering. To you know, it's like a it's a great message for all ages. I mean, it's it's this, this is an iconic song. This is a great, a great you know, this is this is a big one. As far as the empowering, uh, the empowering lyrics, um, definitely the I'm dancing on my own and I make the moves up as I go lyrics. Um, you know, that, that really feeds into the chorus of this where it's just like, look, I, I don't really care what you guys think. I'm trudging this on my own. I'm making this up as I go. And um, I think she has a vision. She had a vision of what she wanted to accomplish with this record. And guess what? It worked, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Huge, yeah. I mean, haters gonna hate. Yeah, is it, it, I know that people said that before this song, but but really, that this this song crystallized that that uh, that message. You know. Yeah. All right, so let's let's get some scores on this. So, uh, Wayne, what you got? A twelve. Okay. I'm a twelve. You're a twelve. All right, and I'm and I'm giving this an eight. So I. I, I knock this down a little bit and it's completely personal. Um, so my wife is a dance teacher and a few years ago they did a dance routine to this and um, I just really got sick of it because my daughter was always practicing this with my wife and I really got tired of this song. So, um, so it's completely personal um, on why I gave it an eight. So Still a great song. It's super catchy. And now that I'm, you know, four years removed from that dance recital, I can listen to it again. So it's all good. All right. Moving on. This is I Wish You Would. Take care. 
Who wants to get us started with? I wish I would. Wish you would. Um, I'll jump in because this, this is, as you know, I mean, this is this is one of the songs that that got less points for me, but um, but again, and this is maybe one of this is one of two songs on the record I would say that doesn't necessarily move me and you know the way the others do, but. I was listening to the album today again in anticipation of our of our conversation and there's like all this there's this whole section there's a bunch of sections in the middle of this song that are actually really awesome. I mean I, I feel like Taylor Swift songs are like pizza, even when they're bad, they're pretty good, you know? And and that's how I feel about this song, you know. So I I mean, you know, I, there's just a bunch of good lines in the middle, uh you know, but I, but it, it just the the the, mel- the melody and other things just didn't grab me as all. You know, that that's almost like the uh, the motto of your life, uh, Wayne. You used to tell me, you know, sex is like pizza. <laughs> that's usually how the saying goes. Yeah, but yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm applying oh, it for you? Taylor. Okay, all right, yeah. all right. Well, sorry uh, that I that I took it PG thirteen where you were trying to keep it PG. So. No, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to take it any further. So uh, I, the thing that I had to rank this song higher because I, I was somewhere and I wasn't even listening to it. And I, I was, I found myself singing it. And I don't, I don't know why. Cause I, 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 it, it, I think this is one of the songs that, I mean, it's, it isn't like, like very remarkable. Like it has some, some great, some great lyrics and she does kind of, she's able to convey a kind of a, you know, a, a regret. She's able to get that through. But I, I just, for some reason, I found myself singing it on a couple of different occasions. So I clearly like it, but I couldn't tell you why. So, so, so I guess my question is, and I'm going to do a little uh, analysis on you, Wayne, are you a Jack Antonoff fan? I, I may be. Because this is another one of Jack's songs, and you you previously gave one of Jack's songs a really high score, and you're going to give him another one. So I think somewhere deep down inside, you are a huge Bleachers fan, and you just didn't know it. And that that you know, I've been called worse things. <laughs> All right, let's get some scores on this. So Wayne, wait. Wait, uh, wait! Before we before we score, I just have to say, I I did a TED talk a few years back, and I I used that sex and pizza line when I was talking about work, and when I recently needed to get a background check for an opportunity that I had, they flagged my TED talk as potentially controversial. Like I had to explain <laughs> to the producers oh. of NBC like why I had used said said sex. So anyway. I just I, I, that would have been on my mind if I didn't mention it. Let's let's almost let's got, almost got you blacklisted. Yeah, I know for real. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yep. Are you at liberty to say what NBC show we're talking about? I, I'm not. I'm not right now. OK, uh, I don't think it's going to shake the ground of the earth, but I, I can't talk about it. Unfortunately. Gotcha. Well, I, I'm going to speculate because I've, I've heard some things. Not from not about you, but from some other artists. So I'll, I'll speculate on my own. We we, <laughs> we just want to hypothesize those on uh, on the, uh, the the podcast. So all right, scores. Wayne, nine. Stephen, two. Yeah, I'm matching your two. Double twos. 
Yeah, we're. I'm definitely listening to a different record than Wayne is, but that wouldn't be. This would not be the first episode that that has happened. So I'm definitely telling. I'm I'm definitely not telling Jack to tune in. <laughs> Actually, have him to have him tune in, and you can just say uh, Wayne is now a big fan. Yeah, Wayne's on your side, yeah. Jack. Wayne's on your side. All right, next song. This is Bad Blood. And uh, this is another big song, as you know. This was a this was a song that was on the radio a lot, whether it was her version or if it was the version that also included the guest vocals from Kendrick Lamar. Um, so I guess I'll throw this out. So so I was listening to the one that the version non. Kendrick Lamar. Me too. So would that have would that have garnered a better score from you, Wayne, since I know what your score is on this? If this was the Kendrick Lamar version on the album, would you have given it a higher score than what um, you did? I, I I I don't I don't know. I, I like my whole like at first listening to this, because I would say this is one of the harder ones to that I had I had trouble scoring it. It was hard. I I mean I I'm a, I like, like I say, it's a huge guilty pleasure and I'm a big fan of hers. And, but this song is at the, by the, after a couple of listens, I mean, compared to some, the, uh, the most of the rest of this album, it feels poorly written. Like, I don't think love and cut rhyme with blood. I mean, and there's the whole, uh, I mean, it just, it just felt, and it, even in her voc- vocally, I don't. It doesn't sound it. It there's an emptiness to it, and all I can hear is that big electric bass drum. Yeah, I mean, production clearly is it. It affects your ability to enjoy or or uh, or you know. And I, the, the, also, I didn't score this song very highly, but what I will say is that I love about it is everybody has fallen out with somebody in their life, you know. And I feel like from a universal theme that you where you just hear a song and go, wow, now we, you know, this is gone bad. Now we've got bad blood. Um, just thinking about that line, even if there were no verse lyrics at all, that's a kind of a really, I just, I don't know. As a guy who has over the years fallen out with some people <laughs> who were very close friends, yeah. I just really appreciated the level of directness that's in this song. Um, and the simplicity of it. And I didn't score it well. And I don't know why I didn't score it well, but I, I mean, I, I, I think thematically it's really, I appreciate how direct it is more, more than anything, you know? Do you think that you could win any of those friends back if you just called them up and started singing this song to them? 
Uh, actually, that might be the one thing I haven't tried in a few of these cases. So maybe I, maybe I should go, you know. And in light of the fact that Taylor Swift came out with a video with Katy Perry yesterday, maybe maybe we could. Hey, you know? right, yeah. right, yeah. So, so I will give you some teenager advice, Stephen. You asked me for some teenager advice earlier. So when you're when your teenagers are fighting with one of their friends or um, are breaking up with a boy or whatnot, um, don't use this song um, in in talking about that with them because you will get significant amounts of eye rolls. Um, I'm speaking from experience on that. So. <laughs> who gets his, who gets his parental advice from Taylor Swift? Um, I did. I did. <laughs> I, oh, wait. I, also, band aids don't fix bullet holes. Uh, you know what? I, I that's a great line. I mean, that's like that's a good point. You know, like, uh, I thought it was a, I thought it was a bit heavy handed for the subject, but also I think there was something about it. It has a negative, you know, connotation, and I don't. And I, I, I that's completely on me. But I, I guess I'm, uh, even though some, I mean, kind of blank space has kind of a kind of a at least a smart assy kind of tone to it i don't know the, the the kind of a negative tone to this one it just didn't feel like taylor okay and that seems really out of character for you because if there's a song that is going to like throw the all out the old you know badass um i i would have thought that wayne would have been all over that i you know i and normally i guess it's i guess it's, she brings out the best in me well, you know, it, it, I, I have one quick thought on that. Take it for whatever. But, I, you know, as a guy who people look at because they look at my songs and they think, oh, he's like I said, that he loves kids and he's a nice guy and he's laid back because he's got a beard and shaggy hair and whatever. Like, And the thing is, I everything that makes me a lover and, and makes people think those things about me, I also carry a lot of anger. You know, and I and I have to always I'm always working through it in my writing and in my life, you know, and I I look at Taylor Swift and what the kind of heat she has had for the length of time she has had it. And then to become an adult and realize, like, what what is this? Why? You know what? Why am I? I don't have to play nice all the time. I don't have to. So I think the fact that she's, you know, exploring that and exploring some of just a very clear frustration and not having to do it just in like a shake it off. Hey, don't let it bother you way. But like kind of an a more, you know, just in a more direct, like screw you way. I don't know. I think it's cool. I think it's cool. And I and that gives me a great opportunity because I couldn't find it earlier. But I listened to Objects in the Mirror and I, I absolutely loved it. So after, when it was over, I went and listened to the album before that which is southwest northeast and right. found my my favorite song which is kind of a a kind of a badass song which is the best of me which i yeah, right over right, the minute right. i heard it i absolutely i absolutely loved it and but yeah, you're right yeah. like i say it's not it's it's you're not you're not yeah that was my by, by the way my favorite stephen kellogg song oh cool well thanks that's one of the ones that when i wrote it i thought here we go. This is awesome. And then like really has not made more than a ripple in my fan base. Like uh, no, nobody's really ever calling out for that one, but I appreciate it, Wayne. And, and I, I would love to play that song for you sometime when, when oh, I get you, to play for you. You get up to the Northwest. I, I will be there. Yeah. Well, I, I get there. I get there often. So I'll see you. I'll see you and we'll do it. So let's get some scores. So Wayne. This was my least favorite song. All right. Steven. 
I gave it a seven. Yeah, I'm matching your seven as well. So Wayne's going to end up tanking this, I think, out of our <laughs> out of our top five. But that's that's fine. Just gonna put it all on me. You're giving me some bad blood. We're not going to carry any bad blood out of that. So, all right, this is number nine song. This is Wildest Dreams. This would be the album's fifth single. Again, um, wrote this with Max Martin and Shellback. Um, I know I've probably said this about some of the other songs. So who is this song about? I mean, there's all sorts of, he doesn't say the person's name, which, you know, that, that's fine. But um, does anybody have any salacious details on, on uh, who this was written about? Because I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't follow TMZ. So you, you will never hear Kellogg talk about that yeah, kind of shit. I so I, I have no idea. I don't care. I, like, yeah, it's not my world. That I stuff. I don't spend enough time in the grocery line. Well, back in 2014. Me neither. Me neither. Great song. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there. This is this is uh, this is my third favorite song on the record. I really dig this one. I don't know what it is about it. It's just very atmospheric. Kind of got this little ambiance thing. Um, I dig it. I agree. I mean, it has. It's got more mature lyrics. Um, it's. I mean, sometimes she she got a little corny with the red lips and rosy cheeks. I thought, but other than that, but she really conveys this this real longing like don't forget me like i i I, you know no matter what you remember me so it was uh, i i got that too from it really it kind of connected with me yeah i I love it it's a great song yeah i mean i didn't yeah i really like this one too i don't have strong feelings and just kind of this is always a nice listen for me all right um yeah, none of the lyrics really stand out for me. This is not, I don't give it a, a higher score because of the lyrics, like some of the other songs. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, I, I like the atmospheric uh, sound and quality to it. And I think, again, f- this is the genius of good producers and having good sequencing. You go from, you know, arguably the the, the badass song of the of the record to this i think it's good sequencing because it's like yeah i don't need i don't need another bad blood type of song i need i need wildest dreams and this is so i i think if you're looking at it from an album format perspective this works perfectly for me so um 
All right, so let's get some scores. Like I said, I gave this my 11. Wayne? I gave it an 8, but like, like I, there was a genuineness. Like, not every, just because she's Taylor Swift, not everything, not everything always goes just exactly how she wants it. Yeah, it's true. Right. Sure. Yeah. And then Steven? I, I gave it a 5, but again, other than the two songs on this record that don't speak to me, I, they're all wins as far as I'm concerned. I just, you know, but so – it's not a knock, but I but I did only give it a five because other songs just hit me harder. There you go. All right. Tenth song here is How You Get the Girl. Ryan Adams' name earlier. His version of this song, one of my favorite covers of all time. I don't know what it is about his reinterpretation of this that is so good. I mean, this is kind of an upbeat song on Taylor's Taylor's record. And I think he was really looking at the lyrics of this. And it's like, um, this is not a happy song. This is about losing. You lost the girl. Even though the, the 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 name of the song is "How You Get the Girl," it's really a song about how you lost the girl. Mm, that's cool. I mean that that that's my interpretation yeah, yeah, yeah. of his that's interpretation. Cool. But that's 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 really that's really. I think he focused more on the the lyric of "That's how you lost yeah. the girl." Um. So. So I, I liked I liked his his reinterpretation of it. I thought it was just spot on for the for the lyrics itself. So um, didn't translate. I will tell you, my score doesn't translate very well to the Taylor Swift scoring that we're doing because I only gave it a five. Um, but so uh, so so Wayne, what uh, what what gave you a little bit better score in in your uh, in your book? Uh, well, there was some acoustic guitar that sounded like it was being played by a human being towards the end. Um, and, and also like I say, it's, it's just a, it's just a catchy and it's kind of a throwback to that, to the, you know, I mean, obviously we discussed earlier this, she's completely crossed over at this point, but in those, those records before red, where she was really, you know, starting to cross over and get, and becoming more pop, this is kind of a throwback to then. Uh, and but I, I just didn't have anything bad to say. And like I say, I liked that it sounded like I was a musician actually playing an instrument on this one. And then Stephen, I know what yeah. your score is on here, so to tell us why. Yeah, well, it's it's um, I, I give this a one, but not. It's again, it's nothing personal. I know this song means a lot to my to two of my daughters. Love this one, you know, and I. I uh, and I get that, I, but it, it's, uh, 
and I like your interpretation of it, Ben, about how you lost the girl, and that may make make me listen differently. Um, but it just the lyric the lyrics never caught that they never sucked me in, and so therefore I kind of never found the song completely. You know? So uh, lowest score for you? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's move on to this love. is number 11 song on the record um what's interesting on on this is only swift is credited as the writer for this one producer was a familiar face to swift was nathan chapman so we talked a lot about jack and max and and shellback um nathan chapman looked at his credits he worked with taylor He's credited on Red. He's credited on Speak Now and her debut. So it wouldn't be a surprise that really the only song on the record that you would consider as a crossover country song, especially with like a little bit of that acoustic guitar at the beginning, um, would be a little bit different song and a different producer. So, so Wayne, I know what your score is on this. So is... Uh, is this song not angry enough for you? Too soft rock for you? What's uh... Uh, it was completely killed by the lyrics that were completely cliche. Sets if you love something, set it free. You know, good, bad, toss and turn it. Always in the dark. I, it was just I can say lyrically, it seemed overly cliche and simple. And I, I mean, I listened. I listened to this record for probably two weeks with, you know, a few things in between. So it just, like I say, lyrically, I thought it was, it, it was too simple. Obviously, obviously I'm, I'm on another end of the spectrum there, but I'm curious what you're like, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, cause of this, I love this song. I love it. I'm not, I didn't know that Nathan Chapman produces, but that's not surprising to me now that you say that. Um, uh, and, you know, as a guy who has, had critics, you know, say, Oh, that's cliche about his own lyrics on occasion. You know, I sometimes think if you're telling the f-ing truth, like you don't have to tell it all. You don't know I mean, just say it, you just say it the way it is. And if you can sell it, it works. And yeah. here, I think she's selling it completely. Um, you know, this, this, this love, you know, came back to me and this love, I just every time I hear it, I think of I feel it stirs something inside my heart. But I also I never look at people and say be clever. I look at people and say tell the truth, you know. And to me, she does that here. So I don't need her to to you know she's proved proven herself 
so many times on this record with incredible lyrics that spin and do all this stuff. I just think it's a nice contrast to hear it told simply, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I, like I say, I never skipped a song. I sang along every time. I just, I, for me, some of the phrasing she used, con- considering some of the, I, I really, really dug the stuff on blank sure. space and uh, blank space and style. And so Something had to get a two in this I one. Understand. With that. I understand. It's like yogurt. You know, some people like it, some people don't. But yeah. I, <laughs> it's like, no. yeah. Yeah. What about you, Ben? Break the tie here. Break the break the situation up here. I, I, I absolutely <laughs> love this song. This is my second favorite song. Um, and, and, you know, Wayne, to, to your point of, yeah, maybe there is a lot of cliche stuff, but just the, 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 the one uh area of lyrics of your kiss my cheek i watch you leave your smile my ghost i fell to my knees when you're young you just run but you come back to what you need uh it doesn't have to be super um deep and 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 you know this wonderful you know lyric play that's enough that invokes something in me i mean that who who hasn't had that in their life where it's like you're you're young and dumb and you know um i'm i'm an idiot well i think you, you've known me 30 over 30 years so you <laughs> you, you just described me uh in my I earlier mean, life so uh if i uh, if i had some, more some like, of that a little more like i, I really i when, when scoring this i tried to step outside of it a little bit but i but part of me feels like this is my favorite song on the record i just i know it's not a better song than welcome to new york or shake it off or style probably too although i scored it higher than that so i i kind of but i mean i i feel this song deeply every time that chorus comes around that melody and, and when she says these hands had to let it go free and this love came back to me love it yeah uh i would agree with you all right, so I, I threw out my score. I, did, I guess we all got our scores in there at some point, right, Stephen? I'm a, I, no, I didn't say – I gave it an 11. There we go. And, Wayne, you said you, this was your deuce, and uh, this is my second favorite. So this, yeah. is, uh, this is 12. Yeah. So uh, second to last song, this is I Know Places. And I'm just going to throw this out there to you guys. This is my least favorite song. Uh, this was another co-write with Tedder. And the eyes just got on my last nerve. <laughs> I liked it when the song picked up about the 145 mark. Um, but it's kind of the same criticism that I have on Out of the Woods with that first part of the song. Just that repetitious part just 
kind of wore on me. And I will tell you, uh, there are no songs on this record that I would fast forward except for this one. Um, so there, I'm throwing that out. This is this is my least favorite song. I I gave this one a very low score, but I really like it. But I like um, the same thing. The same thing that I said about kind of bad blood, and there was one other. I just thought it was an interesting idea of of no. I know places we could go. Like it it it. I've thought about how that's been a theme throughout my life. Like I, it made me think of being young and in high school and trying to find a place to sneak off and hook up with your girl or whatever, you know. And then and then you get older and, and you're and you're trying to find, you know, ways to get away and, and not be overwhelmed, you know, by life. So you're trying to get, whether you're trying to get away from your kids or your work or things. And I, I just liked that this song made me think of that. And that felt really fresh to me. You know, I know places we could like go, but, but as a song, but again, I'm, I'm focused on a theme and idea for a song. Uh, more than uh, than any defense of the song itself here, you know, I just think it's a cool idea. Uh, maybe not fully realized, or maybe not realized in a way that speaks to a forty year old and two fifty year olds. But uh, you know, <laughs> regardless, yeah. <laughs> and I and I I, I agree because when I I mean there was at a point where this was one of my probably the top in the top five or so. Um, but I think because I agree, it has a it has some cool kind of things, but I, I guess ultimately it didn't have staying power because I have, literally have X's through eight and six and five. And then I ended up scoring it a three. Um, I think it just, I guess it just wasn't, it just didn't have staying power. The more I listened to it, it, it just didn't, it didn't hold up individually. Like, like. Yeah, I did the same thing. Songs. I have a bunch of X's out and I landed on four. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, just songs I like more, I guess, you know. All right. So I think we got everybody's scores. So my least favorite, Wayne, your three, Steven, your four. That leads us to last song. And this is Clean. This is a song that she did with uh, Imogene Heap. She of Fru Fru fame and totally has an Imogene vibe, which is probably some bearing on my score because there's something about her harmonies and this background ambience that's just pleasing to my ears. Um, so let me throw this out and see see if I'm I'm totally reading in too much of this, but. I probably would have even liked the song better if it didn't feel like the closing montage scene from like an episode of the TV show Scrubs. <laughs> Maybe not Scrubs, but definitely an episode of like how I met your mother. And 
Um, and with that, I think that this is kind of a fitting song for like the final song of the record because it does kind of really play out like one of those montage scenes that I just referenced. Guys, guys kind of get that, that vibe. It leads on like this happy, nice, hopeful type, type, uh, sensibility as, as opposed to maybe leaving it on, you know, how, how you get the girl or this love or, you know, some, some other song on the record. Did I just overanalyze it? No, I think it, but, but I mean, that seems like if, if this album ended with how you get the girl, that would be such like a, like a weightless way to end the record, you know? And instead there's, instead I mean, why wouldn't you have a montage song to close a record? You know, I mean, I mean, you don't have to close a record that way, but it feels like a, a great idea to me, you know. And uh, yeah, you know, if and if or if you have an outlier like Clean, where it's really not, it really doesn't. There's not a true counterpart, I don't think, to this song on the record. Like it's kind of, it's got a pretty blatantly different vibe than all the other songs. I agree. Um, yeah. Definitely. Uh, so if you're going to do that, you've either got to, there's only so many spots on a record that that can sit appropriately. And the end is certainly probably a, a, the highest candidate. So, I mean, it's placement on the record made sense. And I, I think it's a really nice song. I really like it. Um, I gave it a three, but again, uh, to me, you, you know, we, I chose this record because this record blows me away and inspires me. So it sort of goes without saying, I love the record and I love the artist. And it's very, uh, it's very difficult for me to criticize other, other artists art, you know? So I, um, even a three to me is like a song I wish I wrote for sure. Yeah. And I I gave it a four and I, I never felt good about it. Cause I mean, I, I think it's, I think there, this is a beautiful song where she really uh, there's I, I it's just like there's a tremendous amount of emotion in it. I mean, uh, she compares it to, you know, drug addiction, which I mean, anybody who's broken up with somebody that they, you know, that they that they love. And it's usually not your idea, but there's that there's definitely that comparison <laughs> that can be made. Oh, yeah, definitely some addictive qualities to uh relationship as well right you know, just just the line about you know i think it's like 10 months and it it doesn't you know i still miss it kind of a thing so it's yeah um, that's a great line yeah there's it was i did i i really it was this was the one where i felt bad that like i all i got's left is a four taylor i i i, I, I really it the, the, my score doesn't doesn't really say how much i like this song but i i absolutely agree i i there was nothing on this album that I fast forwarded through or would say that I, that I hated or didn't, you know, I would, does not, I don't think there's a song I'd say I don't like. Well then I'll, I'll take yeah. one for the team. Cause this was as low as my four at one point, And I ended up my final tally on this was a nine. So I took one for wow. the team guys. Wow. You you, but you bumped it way back up. I did. You showed up, showed up for clean. I did. So let's get the rest of your scores and then we'll, we'll get our top five. So Wayne, your score. Four. And Steven? It's three. All right. So uh, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? No, I think we, I I think we covered it extensively. <laughs> I think yeah. we, we nailed it. 
We may have overcovered it. So looking at that list and to quote one of my favorite songs from uh, you, Stephen, in the Sixers, are you a satisfied man with this list? I am. I am a satisfied man with this list. Fan, indeed. Fantastic. All right. Let's, so let's go through our uh, let's go through our top five. So what's our guess for uh, what's your guess for number one? Style. Style. I would, yeah. Style. Yeah. Style. Eleven point three three average. How about second favorite? Uh, uh, would that be shake it off? Uh, it is actually a tie for two. So we've got Shake It Off and one other. Blank space. Uh, blank space. Blank space, yep. And then we've got a tie for uh, tie for uh, uh, fourth. Well, uh, is that wel- would that be Welcome to New York? And- Welcome to New York is one of them. And then Out of the Woods? The one that you tanked for us. This Love? <laughs> yeah. This Love. Uh, Even with Wayne's, uh, yeah, never gonna live that down. Yeah, <laughs> come on, Wayne. <laughs> even if so, I'm just I'm just doing this. So even if Wayne would have just given this a seven, it would have been it would have been our our th- like third favorite song. Well, there you go. There you go. Stats, stats, stats for days. It, it does. It is interesting <laughs> though that we pretty much. I mean, with the singles won, and that would indicate that they, the people releasing the record, kind of knew what they were doing to some degree. Yeah. Which uh, is unlike some of the other conversations that we've had, Wayne, where we have questioned the every single one of the label's decisions. <laughs> so. Yeah. Anyways. I know I've put records out where the songs that ended up surviving for the years were not. I mean, literally, my first, my major label debut on Universal, the five biggest songs in the fan base from that record are seven, are the last five songs on the record. I mean, it was like, it was like nobody had any idea. There's nothing, right. in the first, there's nothing on side A that even has like continued to be played, you know? It's weird. Awesome. All right. Well, Stephen, remind our guests where they can find all your happenings. Uh, you can find it. I mean, if you if you're living in this century, you can just Google my name, and you'll find ample opportunity to uh, explore on your favorite social platform. But I, I still like to use StephenKellogg.com as the epicenter because you know I can I can vouch for the information that that exists there. So uh, StephenKellogg.com and with a ph s t e p h e n k e l l o g g Fantastic. And then for all of my Florida, Florida friends, um, you can hitch a ride with me over to Tampa to see him in, uh, was that August 17th? Anyways. Yep, it is. All right. So last question, I lift this from a fellow podcaster here in Orlando who does the Scotch and Good Conversation podcast. So Stephen, who do you know that I don't know? who would want to join us on this podcast to revisit one of their favorite records. And you can't say Jesse Humphrey. Mm, Okay. All right. All right. Hang on. Uh, Oh man. 
Did I know this question was coming? This is uh, <laughs> probably, probably not, unless you listen to the uh, Jesse episode, and then uh, I, you know. I, ha- I have. Man, I am uh, June is a nightmare. I have not done anything that is for any pleasure in a long time. But uh, we at least appreciated you doing your research and listening to the Taylor Swift record a couple of times. So, oh my God, no! I well, that's why I was very. Imp- I didn't, you know, I wanted to be really straight that I wasn't. Uh, putting on with this i'm not i didn't think it'd be cute to for like americana guy to talk about taylor swift i'm a she's a top five artist for me um and i just i I love the opportunity to 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 do a deep dive on some of her stuff and talk about it because i'm a fan you know well this was um, this was fun when i when i threw this out to my daughter so my daughter her very first concert was taylor swift and we were we were chatting um, I said, so uh, one of my guests chose Taylor Swift and she looked at me and she's like, really? Yeah, you know, and to give me a little bit of that shock. And I was like, sweetheart, do you remember what my favorite record was of, of uh, two years ago? She's like, oh, yeah. So she kind of rolled her eyes because she didn't understand why I love Harry Styles solo record so much. That, <laughs> that is one of those records that I will listen to. And I and I'm completely OK with that being a guilty pleasure. And I will I will fight tooth and nail with anybody who tells me that that's not a good record because that yeah. is a fantastic record. I, I think you should I think you should get in there and, and have a chat with, you know, um, at, with Haley Steele or Liz Longley or what, you know, I have, I feel like I have some spirited female songwriter friends who would love to go, go get in on a record and kick it with you, you know, and those two come to mind right away. So, uh, but I can think on it and awesome. throw more out too for you. All right. I have, I have actually reached out to Liz's management a couple months ago and never got a response back. So, should I name drop? Yeah, sure. You, yeah, yeah. So, so okay. We did it, and I, I mentioned her, and I think that's uh, – That was prior to us doing our episode with Caroline Spence, which has gotten us a little bit of street cred among the Americana group. Yeah, because so. Caroline came to mind too um, because I she's another one who I think has strong – you know, she – she she considers this stuff and probably has some some interesting perspective and she came to my I mean both those guys came to mind I just I, I just saw the three of us were just together recently oh, cool. so that's it all yeah Car- anyway Caroline was fantastic that is one oh, of, absolutely one of our favorite yeah. favorite episodes that we've done she was she and of course she chose a Bruce Springsteen record. Did she? And she didn't think she didn't think Africa was a good song. Well, and that's why that's why you <laughs> like her. Yeah, <laughs> that's not no, that's not the only reason. I because I I love uh, that her new album and I could say Long Haul is probably my favorite song of the year so far. Yeah, her new record is just great. Yeah, really good. Yeah. All right. So as a reminder, so we're on Instagram using the hashtag Records Revisited Podcast. Uh, you can go check out our Facebook page as well. Please review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Automatic Castbox, wherever you can find our podcast. And instead of saying bye for this episode, so Stephen, total cliche, I'm going to say in the words of Stephen Kellogg, see you later. See you soon. Boom. 
So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show. Buy a t-shirt of the band. Buy a record. Visit a record store. And not just on Record Store Day. We are Records Revisited. And we are out. out.